I used to sit in the preschool in tears. All the man really has to do on the day of birth is find a good parking spot. <laughs> dad, Dad, catch this. Boom, I've done a poo. Stop stabbing your sister. From the news desk to the nursery. Mum! This is the Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. This is our opportunity to chat to a mum and dad about the events and stories of the week to get their wise opinions and experience on these matters. Today we have writer and author Kerry Sackville. Her latest book is out there, A Survival Guide for Dating in Midlife, and Grant Linden from Busy Dads, where he offers workshops for dads, everything from antenatal classes to fitness and meditation. Kerry's experience is she is a mum of three, and Grant is a dad of four. Welcome. How have you been? Hello, hello. You know, since we last saw Kerry Grant, she has been to Hawaii. Oh, really? I have. Can't you see from my tan? (laughs) Your glow. Yeah, my glow. Yeah, that's actually from the face mask I used the other day, but that's another story. Aloha. Aloha. (laughs) How was it? Oh, you know, I was lying there on a floaty chair in the infinity pool, and I actually said to myself, imprint this memory. Like, just take a moment and push this memory into your brain, into your psyche so that you can draw on it when you come back because you're going to need it. (laughs) And so at least seven or eight or 25 times a day, I close my eyes and I try and take myself back to that infinity pool. And And do you get back there? No, no. Open your eyes and you're in the bath. (laughs) That's right. There's someone knocking on the door. Get out of the bath. Grant, have you done anything exciting since we last spoke? Well, I've done a few things. Top three. I'll do a top three. Oh, you've got top three. Well, Hawaii. Hawaii is is top ten. I went to Sumatra, which is not quite Hawaii, but I I did um, nine days of surfing with five other dads, well, one non-dad. So he had to deal with all the, oh, I miss my kids stuff in the middle yeah. of the trip. I just signed off on the final edit for the Busy Dads Family Food Cooking Show, which is Ooh, amazing. Oh, exciting. And just about to launch um, Busy Dads New Dads, which is a um, postpartum men's group, for want of a better term. I, I like to call them men's circle, um, where men can come and safely share their experiences of becoming a dad. Oh, that's fabulous. If only, if only Grant so, would achieve something once in a while. I know. I'll tell you what. <laughs> really? Right. So lazy. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I'm, I'm really intrigued about the cooking show and the dad's group, but we'll have to save that for another conversation, I think. Absolutely. Although Grant tells me, Kerry, that I, apparently I'd be able to follow his instructions for cooking because I'm not a very good cook. I am a worse cook than you. Um, no, First seriously. episode is all about toast. Oh, I, no, made, no. I made a slice the other day. I was so excited. I made this zucchini and and um, leek and cheese slice, and it turned out to be like sludge. Like oh, it, yeah. I got the first two letters right, but the you know <laughs> whole thing just collapsed. And I said to the kids, "Oh, this is this is you know solidified soup, and it tasted really good, but I couldn't get it to stay solid." So yes, I think we both need to do all the right. course. We'll have to tune into it. Okay. Yeah. Well, this today we're going to be speaking about the unbreakable boundaries you have with your kids and how you enforce them. Should parents stay together when the passion is gone and your strangest family quirk? First up, though, we're going to be speaking about what's so special about the father-daughter relationship. A lot of dads describe themselves as second in charge, mum's offsider kind of thing. And if they understood that, you know, what their daughter expects from a man later in life is hugely influenced by them. They set the bar on what their daughter will accept. That's Madonna King. She was speaking on Kindling Conversation this week. 
Her book is called Fathers and Daughters, Helping Girls and Their Dads Build Unbreakable Bonds. And I mean, most of us know how important fathers are to their daughters, but Madonna found dads struggled when their girls hit their tween and teenage years, perhaps more than mothers, um, because at least mums have had a lived experience of being a girl, whereas dads, puberty, ooh, all a bit awkward. Um, and it made me think about both my relationship with my dad, but also how my husband is with my daughter. Uh, and so bringing that to you guys today, Grant, you have mm. one girl, is that one correct? One girl, three boys. Yeah. One girl, three boys. <laughs> yeah. Have you given any thought to the role you'll play in your daughter's life as she gets older? Yeah, I have. It's funny, you know, um, my daughter is a carbon copy of my wife plus some other stuff. You know, <laughs> like she's super strong and dynamic and she seems mature beyond her years, but she's also, um, she relishes in the fact that she's the only girl, but she's also, I think she really understands that she's like this little thing, you know, like, does that make sense? You know, that she's not quite the big things that she would like to be treated as, you know, she's a very special little thing that kind of, I don't know how to define my relationship with her as being different from the boy's kind of as yet as opposed to she says daddy in a different way (laughs) (laughs) and and what about I mean when you write in the trenches in the young you don't often think too far ahead Mm. but how do you feel about puberty and handling that time with her because right now when our kids are young they're the opposite of pushing us away they want us as close as they can have us Mm. I mean how might you deal with that situation when she gets to a place where it's harder to speak her language. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, for me, it's going to be probably a combination of writing out the boundaries and writing out, which is, you know, the, the next conversation, writing out the boundaries and all the, the framework of, of the way we act as a family, you know, like what's expected and, and of us as individuals, trying to hold on to that stuff, but also then trying to, you know, understand what's going on. It's a very different world. You know, and and the experience I have of people going through puberty are my two older sisters, you know, and we were very open with bodily functions and developmental stuff in our home. But in short, probably I'll just have to hold a hand and ride it through with her and kind of do it in, react in real time, you know. Yeah, good luck with holding her hand. Yeah, (laughs) try and stay anchored, you know. Kerry, sorry, you've got to refresh my memory. Do you have one or two girls? I have two two girls. girls. I have two girls and a son, and I was one of two girls. And when I was raised, you know, I, I was raised, I was a child of the 70s and teenager of the 80s and, and life was different then. And my father was very much the secondary parent. And I remember one of the things that stands out in my memory so clearly is the first day I got my period. So I was 12 years old. And for some reason, that was the one day my mother was out of the house okay. and my father was home. And I remember telling him, like, coming and saying, oh, this has happened. And he was like, don't do anything till your mother gets home. Don't. Like, what, what was I going to do? Something dramatic, like rip out my own uterus or something. And that was, I think that really characterized the relationship. He loved me desperately, but he really didn't sort of get the girl stuff and get how to talk to my sister and I. And, and I look at my now ex-husband and, and our two girls. And, and I do remember because we, we separated, you know, it's, five and a half years ago. And so with my eldest daughter, who's now 17, and when she was going through puberty, 
and and he had to deal with it because I wasn't there to be the buffer. And as difficult as that was, and I remember having a conversation with him about what to buy and what to do and what to say and have on hand. And and it was awkward for him because he was one of two boys, but he was forced to step up. And mm. and so I think that what happened in our relationship, we, we otherwise had still that very traditional relationship, but because we separated, he needed to, to take on more of that role. And I, I do think that things are changing and partly because there are so many separated families and, and fathers, you know, don't have the backup of, of the mother to, to take care of all the icky sort of puberty stuff and have all the difficult conversations and partly because roles are just changing and there are more stay-at-home dads. Um, Do but, you think your daughter, I mean, did she come back and say, oh, mum, dad did this, or was it actually a good experience for her? It, it started off awkward for both of them. But there, it became much easier. And I think with my little one, who's only 10, so hasn't got there yet, I think when it is her turn, um, it will be much easier because the path has been paved already yeah. for, for those kind of conversations. Um, but it takes time for change. And, and, you know, what Madonna was saying was so true, that, that what you expect of your partner is very much what was reflected in your own background. And the problem is when you have a traditional background like I did, then you, you often find yourself in a traditional marriage. And it takes, I think, really strong people and really progressive people and really insightful people to, to change that pattern. And I wasn't that insightful or progressive. I think I am now, but it's a bit further on down the track. And um, so I think the change is really slow, but there is so much more conversation now. And, and um, I, I definitely see changes in, you know, the, the next generation. Mm. So interesting. Um, I'm Siobhan Hunt. You're listening to The Parent Panel. And this is where we invite two guests into the studio to get their thoughts on the stories and events of the week. Today, I'm joined by writer and author Kerry Sackville. Who is wearing shoes. Who is wearing shoes. And parenting coach Grant Linden from Busy Dads. Who is not. There Who is go. not. But <laughs> so far. Very nice socks. Oh, he's got nice socks on. And as far as we can tell, his feet don't smell. I not, haven't noticed. I, I haven't picked it up yet, but there's <clears> no. Heard it here first, <laughs> Grant Lyndon does not have smelly feet. That's right. In just a moment, what are your unbreakable rules, the boundaries you will not shift when it comes to your kids? And nothing on God's sweet earth is going to make me change my mind. I am not going to change my mind. My house, my rules. But rules are made to be broken. Nothing can make me change my mind. Most parents know that boundaries are important for kids, but there are rules, and then there are rules that were made for breaking. What are your unbreakable rules or boundaries, and how do you enforce them? And if, on top of that, how do you deal with the inevitable pushback when you're, you are actually boundary setting? Kerry? You know, I agonised over this question um, because I, I, I tried really hard to think of what my unbreakable boundaries are. And I'm really a negotiator. And if there's a good reason to break something or to, to shift something, then I'll, I'll look at it. So I came up with one example, which is really lame. But I, my elder daughter got her ears pierced when she was 13. And I have always told my 10-year-old that she would get her ears pierced when she was 13 and she pushes and pushes and pushes. She's 10. She's desperate. All the kids in my class have done it so unfair and I'm, I'm holding firm. And, 
you would think that eventually she would just get the message and stop arguing, but she doesn't. <laughs> and we have this conversation regularly and every coming birthday since, since I think she was about six or seven. It's like, you know, why, why does it have to be 13? Why, you know, why can't it be now? So she's coming up to her 11th birthday. Why can't it be now? What are your reasons, mum? And I've actually got down to the... Because I said so. <laughs> because it's now just become a thing. Like, I'm not going to give in. There actually aren't really good reasons at all. But... Put them on the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's just that you, this is a line in the sand. I had to draw, to, yeah, I yeah. have to have some lines in the sand. And I, yeah. as I said, I negotiate about almost everything. And this has just become a point of principle mm-hmm. that I will not give in. Mm. Um, Sounds like you and your daughter are quite similar, Karen. <laughs> You reckon? <laughs> Maybe. Grant, do you have any immovable boundaries? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, one in our home is lying. I cannot stand lying. And I'm sure every parent has the same conversation that goes along the lines of, I would rather you tell me the truth because mm. you're going to get in a lot less trouble than if you stand there and lie to my face. So that's the one big thing in our home. And, and, and you know, if I'm ever going to lose my biscuits... That's the nice way of saying it. You know, it's going to be when I know that one of my kids is standing there and lying through their teeth. Do you do the eye test? Because I always do the eye test with my kids. My mum used to do the eye test. And I just, I, 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 look, two of my kids are very honest and there's one who's not quite as honest. I will not ask you to guess which one. And with that child, I just look into um, into their eyes and I say, okay, tell me again because I can tell if you're lying. Tell me, tell me, tell me. And, um, and the I Tom can, Cruise stare. Yeah, the Tom Cruise <laughs> stare. And I can tell. And even if, even if I couldn't tell, she, sorry, they think, <laughs> they think You've got that I girls, can tell. Can yeah, they, they think that I, she thinks that I can tell. And, um, and it works every time. Like it's like this magic trick and she sort of breaks away and I'm like, ah, you're lying. I keep thinking that I can tell when my kids are lying <laughs> because we have this thing, if someone drops a silent but violent, fart that is yeah, and he yeah. said did you fart and they'll just get this look on their face and there's a and it's the eye thing yeah. and I think if I can test you. them on the eye thing with farts and when it gets to serious yeah. stuff you especially when there's a second one coming it's like <laughs> <laughs> you no, couldn't see Grant's away? face then yeah. but he did a face like he was about yeah. to I'll post the fart face for you have a pop off I think That's we're allowed right. to say that on kids radio farts are everywhere when you have children am I right there's kids songs about farts that's true that's right how did we get from boundaries to farts well we, we did go via fault. foot smelling so <laughs> exactly. seems a fairly logical happening. part all happening in the studio um, you're listening to the parent panel we are talking about all the events and stories of the week our topic just then was boundaries. You may have been confused and thought it was about farts, but it was about boundaries. What were the ones that you wouldn't move? Uh, we've discovered that Kerry is just stubborn, as is her <laughs> daughter. And Grant doesn't like it when people lie. <laughs> so we've learned a lot here. Up next, should parents stay together after the passion has gone? I'm afraid we don't have much in common. I think we should spend some time apart. I'm bored. I'm bored. Oh, I'm so bored. You're giving me the it's not you, it's me routine? We used to argue and, and push each other's buttons. When did it get so complicated? 
There's a post that I have seen several times on closed Facebook accounts, and these have been from uh, women's accounts like mummy groups, where someone has basically posted uh, lamenting the loss of passion for a partner who is both a good dad and a caring husband. It sort of goes along the lines where they're agonizing over whether their own happiness needs to be put aside for the well-being of their family. And I was kind of intrigued with this question because it when I first posted on Facebook to my friends and said, what do you think? Is boredom a reason to separate or not? The response I got was mixed, but it was mostly people interpreted bored as fighting. So people Mm. not liking each Mm. other Mm. because they related it to their own experience with their parents. So if their parents had stayed together for them, but absolutely could not stand each other, then they had a miserable experience. But my thoughts were, well, what if you don't hate each other. What if you still care for and love each other? You just don't have a good sex life. Like, is mm. well, is that different from outright disliking each other? Mm. Um, and so I got a mixture of reactions. Um, there was the part about staying together that made everyone miserable, including the kids. And then when I kind of refined it down, some people said, well, passion is something you can work on. So I'm wondering whether you think um, parents should stay together after the passion is gone Kerry, you write about this stuff all the time, so I'm going to Grant first. Good idea. Grant, what do you think? Oh, man, it just stirs up so many memories of, because there was, a, it was very classic, you know, I'm a child of the 70s and not a, quite a teenager in the 80s, but like, you know, I, I had a couple of friends whose parents had separate beds and I never saw them be intimate, but they were so hardcore, like old school Catholic guilt style almost, you know, hardcore devoted to their roles as parents and not, you know, shaking the family, you know, foundations. I saw some of that stuff work, you know, as a functional relationship. Oh, there was one that was just so miserable and it all ended in tears, like further down the track when it had to, you know, and like and both of them had a breakdown, you know. But, you know, I watched my own parents, you know, go through the phases of, you know, really thinking they didn't like each other very, very much. And then when we all flew the coop, you know, walking down the hand in the walking down the street hand in hand with the sunset, you know, so it's such a case by case kind of basis and, and what what is that individual ready to do? Are you gonna surrender some preferences in order to kinda, you know, rekindle something maybe and or you know has it been something that's just been killing you you know eating away at you in the background for so long when then you just go I'm out of here I've got to go because some people were saying I mean the people that that were our in in our um, phase of life so we're not talking about their parents we're talking about their relationships they were the ones that said look that is only part of the conversation. Mm. They were saying you can work on it you can rekindle it but it's unlikely that lack of desire is what cause the unhappiness to begin with. Mm, I mean, mm, Kerry, what mm, do you mm. think about that? I have so many feelings. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, as someone who got divorced because really there was no choice um, and it wasn't because of lack of passion. It was just because there was, there was the, the relationship had become so difficult that, that we really couldn't stay together. And I tend to look at people who are in good relationships who are saying, oh, I'm just a bit bored, the passion's gone. It's like, God, you are so lucky. Like, that is so much to have. You know, I think if you, yeah. from my perspective, and, and I agree with Grant that it's case by case, and, and I would never look at any couple and say, if you really want to go, you should stay together. I think if, if people are unhappy in a relationship, they should go. But I think um, there are things that, that come above passion, and that's because in any relationship, it doesn't matter how hot you are for each other in the beginning, that's not going to last, you know, 
for 20 years. I mean, you might have moments of that coming back, but mm. people 20 years down the track are never ripping off each other's clothes because we would all have heart attacks and, <laughs> and die at 45 if that was the case. Just we hold cannot, the walking frame, darling. Yeah, we cannot sustain <laughs> that kind of, of manic sexual energy. Mm. So mm. for me, what, what would be important in a marriage is things like really liking each other, feeling safe with each other, mm. feeling respected by each other um, mm. and having shared values and shared goals. And I think if all of that is there and it's just a bit of sexual boredom, well, you know, go watch some porn or, or <laughs> you know, buy some lingerie or play some games or, or Role you know, play nights on Fridays. Role play nights on Fridays <laughs> or explore other options. You know, I just I just wrote an article that's that's running today in, um, in Fairfax, it should still be running today, about uh, open relationships and... and you because know, you just find... evaded um, Dan Savage, didn't you? I cannot believe that. If you haven't heard of Dan Savage, go and oh, Google him yeah, and be I just extremely did it, yeah. impressed. Oh my that God, Kerry's... he's like my idol, and I, I went like head oh, to head with. So with he, Dan. so Dan's thing is all about um, sexual relationships and and being open and coming together. But he had a book called Monogamish, yeah. where he um, believes that you can have a lifelong partner but still have other different experiences. experiences. Did that inspire this new um, article that you've written? Yeah, so I mean, I've been listening to Dan for years. And um, and I was asked to come on um, a, a radio national radio debate um, and debate with Dan the virtues of monogamy versus open relationships. And Dan was for the side of open relationships, and I was on the side of monogamy. I was there to do a job, and I can I can debate the side. But in in reality, I think I'm much more flexible now now um, than I was. You know, in my twenties, I can see how difficult monogamy is for people, and I can also see exactly what you're bringing up with with this particular question, which is: is sexual boredom enough of a reason to dissolve an otherwise really strong partnership? Mm, mm. And maybe there are other ways to to um, engage with that kind of problem and and sort it out. And mm. um, I have never been in an open relationship, but I, I have interviewed a number of people who are. And since I wrote that article, I'm having people, you know, contact me and disclose <laughs> to me that they are in open relationships. Wow. And offers left, right and centre. Offers left, right and centre. No, no more, di- more disclosures than offers. And, um, <laughs> you know, I think that sex is important, but I don't think that the lack thereof or a poor sex in a relationship is necessarily enough reason mm. or, or sexual infidelity in, in contained ways is enough reason to dissolve a really great partnership because they're really rare. And yeah. it has to be about, um, it sounds to me like it has to be about communication so whether or not you um, want an open relationship or if you decide to stay together, the key thing in all of that to remain together is communication, communication. And there's, being and, on the same page. And people in open relationships have lots of different paradigms. So some people have like a don't ask, don't tell um, kind of a, agreement. So if someone, for example, goes into state and maybe has an indiscretion into state, they don't need to know about it. It's not a deal breaker. Other people have full disclosure. So they actually want to talk to each other about their experiences and debrief and, and that brings a new sexual energy to the relationship. Um, it's way more involved than I will so, ever be. It's complicated. <laughs> but what I'm saying is there are different options. We are so stuck in mm. this like you know, you get all your goodies from one person and is that realistic in the long term? And I'm not just, afraid, you know, so it's like the word all your yeah, goodies. But our partners are meant to be our best friends and our strongest advocates and our financial partners and our co-parents mm. and our sexual gods or goddesses. And that's a big ask. And, and if any one of those pieces falls apart, then the relationship is supposed to be over. And maybe we need to start rethinking, mm. you know, what is acceptable in a relationship, what we can manage and, and what we can outsource. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>
That's a it's a powerful thing too, you know. It's like there are so many great expectations around. I mean, life is more sexualized now anyway, you know, and there are so many great expectations around, you know, people having to have this firecracker sex life. Yes. You know, and it's like... Especially if you read Outlander. Is that what I'm reading now? Mm. Outliers? No, Outlander. Jamie Fraser. Oh, right. You know who I'm talking... Kerry, you don't know? No. There should be some women in the audience that understand. Okay. There will be. I'll get the information. (laughs) I just heard a few phones drop. Is this Um, this like 50 Shades? It's pretty much 50 Shades in a historical fantasy fiction thing. Yeah, I've I've had it on an audio book. Yes, but... (laughs) And busty wenches. Yeah. Pretty much, but more for a woman's titillation than a man's. Yeah, right. anyway, Very but, false expectations, really. Sorry, no, I digress. No, 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 it's okay. The thing is, I reckon, is that one thing I really noticed in my parents' relationship, you know, and it's like, for sure, it was full of warts and smelly bits too, you know, but it was the fact that, and I'm learning that now, you know, is that, you know, you can't have that person be all of those things all the time. Exactly. And you're going to have those times where you look across the room and you're not like wedding night vibes. You know, it's like it's like somebody's just thrown up, you know, especially when you've got younger children. You know, you've got <laughs> vomit on you or whatever and, and, or you're running out the door or they've just said something that... Really compl- annoyed you. <laughs> really pisses you off, right? And then that person is then far from being the most desirable person. And... and, and and uh, the thing that saves me personally is the for now thing. Mm. It's like, okay, well, you know, for now, yeah. you know, they're going to, that feeling and that attitude and, um, is only for now. And then, you know, let that go. And then they're going to rock up my, you know, sometime further down the timeline and they're going to surprise you with being the most incredible God or goddess. And then it can surprise you with being the most incredible companion that just gets you and puts the thing down that you're really asking for. Shoes, or, in your case. Shoes, exactly. <laughs> shoes or a nasal inhaler. And, and so, you a know. nasal inhaler? <laughs> for the odour. Oh, okay. Saying. Sorry. Right, I, I get him. I get anyway, him. Anyway, <laughs> does, does that make sense? So it all, does. all that kind it of stuff, you know. And I think that. The disposable society that we have now, people are so ready to, you know, and what's the, you'd probably know the stat, Kerry, about divorce happening, is it the first three years? That all those... No, but um, now the the average length of a marriage these days is 12 years. 12 years, okay. Um, so marriages, the divorce rate hasn't actually dropped, but the length of marriage has, has increased. So we're hanging in there for a bit longer. <laughs> yeah, and someone was saying recently when I was um, in WA at my wife's family's in, in their world, you know, and they're like you know, pig farmers from WA, right? And all the people around there, they've got a lot of old traditional values. And someone said that 10 years, that benchmark in your marriage, you've really just had almost like your first year. Do you know what I mean? I was Damn, like, you, that's you've me really, <laughs> you've just begun. <laughs> At 10 year. years, you can really start rocking and rolling and, and existing together. Oh, know? I love that idea. Yeah. You're listening to The Parent Panel. We'll be back after this short break with your strangest family quirk. <laughs> I'm weird. This whole family is really weird. No one outside this family is to know anything about you. We can say these things to each other because we're family. We do it every year, part of the family tradition. Your family is strange. So families can be strange. We were kind of workshopping this in the office. And um, Elise, the producer of the parent panel and Kindling Conversation, has one of the best ones. Her family always says grace before dinner, but because they're all lapsed Catholics... 
They say the first sentence over and over <laughs> again in a false start until her mum says, Jesus is not very happy with you, and then we can eat. <laughs> That's brilliant. They can eat after that. And I would recite the first line, but I don't even know what it is, Grace. But there you go. That's hers. And Lana said, my, my husband ties toilet paper around the front door handle of a night as a reminder to not forget his lunch when he leaves in the morning. The boys find it hilarious, so much so that they want daddy to put toilet paper on the door, even when he doesn't have a lunch to remember. What, what happened to post it? I don't know, but uh, it's he never forgets apparently and he phone. swears by yeah. it. Okay, so hmm. what's your strangest family quirk? Oh, God. I was actually You've like... you totally got one. Look at oh, your face. I know, I know. Because I was... Loads. I, I said to the kids at dinner last... Sorry, um, not dinner. I said to the kids this morning at breakfast, because um, it's about dinner, I said, I've, you know, I have to talk about uh, quirks. And they all just chimed in at once. The singing. <laughs> we sit around at dinner <laughs> and we just spontaneously will start... Not Actually, it's not just singing. We start rapping and we'll rap... <laughs> Like just kind so of do freestyle up. rap about whatever's going on. So it's like, mummy picks up a fork and takes it to her mouth and then she shouts. And and then occasionally when it gets real, like my son was like, you know, do all that thing. And we're all joining. We have these different rhythms. And then occasionally we'll get up and, and if it really kind of works us into a frenzy, we'll get up and kind of start <laughs> Dancing and like crunking. How and does that? How does that even I don't come even, about? I don't even know. It just is a thing. And the thing is, we're really good at freestyle rapping <laughs> right now. And sometimes the rhyme. I get a bit frustrated though because sometimes my ten-year-old she'll start really strongly and then she'll just put something that's not a rhyme, and I get frustrated. So I've got to jump in, and correct her, and but this can go on. Can for I ages. come to dinner? I yeah, our dinners, are, our dinners are. Weird. And, and but my daughter actually said to me this morning, my big girl, my seventeen-year-old, because everyone said singing, and she said. Should, sorry, it's a rapping because you can't say rapping because that just makes us look too weird. So just say we sing because that's normal. <laughs> so, no one, no one in Radio Land can see the massive gold change that Yeah, that's right. Yo, Yo. Big, big, big Yo, on a big, are you going to top that, Grant? Yeah. Sorry, Grant. Oh, man, this one's massive and it makes me think about the stuff from my own family home and we had so – my mother would run around the house – she had this thing. It was so hilarious. There was two things that would set my mum off, you know, just she'd go into that state where she'd go, we're all just mad. We're all just mad. You know, I'm effing mad. You know? And um, she would, there's two things my mother would do, which were a regular occurrence that the whole family ended up joining in with. One was she'd put on Liza Minnelli's Liza with a Z record and sing Ring Them Bells running around the house, probably with a curlers and a dressing gown from memory. Um, and the other one was that we'd sit around at the family table having a meal or everything like that, and there was a, uh, there's a, an actual woman called Dame Beryl Beaurepair. Right? There's not. Yeah, there is. There's an actual Stop woman it. called Dame Beryl Beaurepair. And at the mention of the name, my mother would absolutely lose it. Like proper hysteria, her. right? And then that would set everybody off around the table. So that was like in the family home. I have to look up that Dame I grew up. Dame Beryl Bow Repair, which brings back some really great, strange, and cringeworthy memories as well, <laughs> right? Uh, and in my own home at home, it's it's kind of like y- you, Kerry. You know, it's like, but ours is singing, singing. Um, my wife has this great talent of turning instructions for the kids into a musical. 
Oh, you know? And so it's pretty cool. Actually. I just want to come both to both yeah. your homes for dinner, but you have to join in. And the li- the really little dudes put on your sing shoes, along. do your oh, hair, totally, totally. and brush your teeth, 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 brush your teeth. Totally, it's dinner time. We're all da, da, da. it's like it turns out to be almost like a Simpsons episode when they all. Yeah. Oh, I love it. We yeah. need. We need uh, fly on the wall cam for you guys. Exactly. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure having you here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Oh my gosh, it's like a karate. <laughs> it really is. Well, thank you so much for coming in. That was Kerry Sackville, writer and author. Her latest book is Out There, A Survival Guide for Dating in Midlife. And Grant Linden from Busy Dads, where he offers workshops for dads. And we have to mention that now he has a cooking channel that can be found on YouTube. And there is a new uh, Dad's Circle, which is, sounds a bit like a mum's a mother's group, but sounds fantastic. So that's happening. It's tougher than mum's group. It's tougher. They're yeah. going to do runs along the beach or something. Anyway, we'll put links up to it on our website. Just head to kindling.com.au. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review and share it with your friends. The Parent Panel, new episodes every Friday.